We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your True Faith podcast following a good draw, um, or at least what most people would consider a good draw, I'm sure we'll come on to you, with me, Simon Campbell, joined by Norman Riley. Hello, Norman. Hello, Simon. Hello, hello listeners. Hello, viewers. <laughs> and Adam Woodrington. Hello, everyone. More more straightforward. Norman, I love that <laughs> intro, by the way. <laughs> That's got everyone up for it. Uh, yes, we're going to we're going to talk about um, what was a, a strange game of football yesterday, but a ultimately good result. Um, bigger picture stuff, uh, and let's just crack on, lads. Uh, there's plenty to talk about this week for a change. So, who wants to go first? Liverpool away, one-one. Is it, it's a despite Liverpool's dominance? Uh, was it a point earned? Was it a point deserved? Uh, as most people suggest. Uh, Adam, I'll come to you first. I think it has to be put down as a good draw. Um, you know, I challenged Bruce a few weeks ago after failing to get points against poorer sides that we probably should have been getting points against um, and saying, well, if we're not going to get points against lesser sides, then we're going to have to pick up points against better sides. That's that's just the, the simple maths of it. And, you know, the fact that, and again, at this point, I've sort of disregarded performances because when you're in a relegation scrap, they mean nothing. It's all about the as Bruce says, the accumulation of points. And and we've done that. And we've, we've accumulated points over, the, over this little mini run that we've had. And it has to be deemed a good draw, a good result to get anything away at Anfield at all, because it's it's very rare. At best, we've historically, we've kind of usually got draws at best at Anfield. Um, so it's it's kind of really nice. It's really nice to pick, pick, to pick it up and... Um, in such dramatic fashion at the end, which I'm sure we'll we'll talk more about. But I think this this does has to be seen as a good draw. It's optimistic. I think if if we want to get into the performance, then that kind of maybe skews my perception of of of, of how enjoyable that afternoon was. But it's all about that equaliser, and it has to be celebrated. And we haven't had much to celebrate this season so far. Let's face it. Absolutely, and I, 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 everyone knows that I'm going to try my best to make this as negative as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I will um, caveat the uh, good result at Anfield a little bit because I think Match of the Day actually put the summary up. I watched it this morning where they've only gained six points in games at home to the bottom six teams. You know, Liverpool have been beatable at home and they have been susceptible to, you know, we could have scored more than one goal, by the way, yesterday, and, and did technically score a perfectly good goal, but um, which we'll come on to as well. Um, yeah, it, it, this isn't the, the Liverpool of last season. You know, it's not the... Uh, 
unthinkable to get a point at Anfield. But that said, we I think the important point is more that it was it was a deserved draw and it was it wasn't you know a, a smash and grab as some of our results this season have been. I think Newcastle played well enough to score as many goals as the other as the other team, which you know mathematically means you deserve something from the game, and I think we did. Norman, did you see it differently, or would you say that that was um, a performance worthy of at least a point for Newcastle? A dispute on the fact that we could have scored as many goals as them, I think, on chances created, they were way ahead of us. And probably by half-time, if they'd gone in at half-time, four goals clear based on the chances they had, I don't think that would have been unjust. Um, I mean, in reality, you probably could have been looking at the ridiculous scoring of like 5-2 at half-time, given the chances that that were there for, for both sides. It's just that Liverpool produced a lot more than us and they obviously dominated the ball. Um, and I think... We we hung in there, right? And this is the this is something that we haven't done that much this season. And and ultimately, you look at Newcastle matches away against the so-called big clubs, right? And regardless of what Liverpool's form has been this season, and we'll get onto this about you know aspects of it that were quite disappointing. Yes, Liverpool have lost to Burnley, they have lost to Brighton, they have lost to Fulham, the Joe West Brom. Um, but at the same time, Newcastle United in my lifetime, and I might be being hyperbolic here because it's you know it comes to the territory of being a football fan, but um, we tend to be the club that that doesn't matter for. Like you know, if a striker hasn't scored for a while, you think he'd get a goal. I, I put money on Firmino to score yesterday because his record was terrible this season. Um, you think Liverpool's home form is bad? If they need a win, beat Newcastle. I mean, that's just how it seems to be for us. But yesterday, I mean, that that wasn't the case, and the fact that we got a point. It, it's it's a positive rate. I I predicted a draw, I think, on Prem Pata, but deep down I, I never believed it. Um in the moment we went a goal down after three minutes, I think, well, this is Liverpool away, but we're a goal down in three minutes. It it looks chaotic at the back. But fortunately it transpired that it was chaotic for both sides at the back and it was relatively chaotic up front up front as well, right? Um so all in all, really pleased with the point. There were aspects of the performance out of, you know, that they weren't great, but at the same time, it's an injury time equaliser against Liverpool on their turf after we've had a perfectly good goal disallowed in injury time as well. So many aspects to be pleased with. Um, above all, the application of the players at the end of the game, I thought was absolutely fantastic. And especially not to get downhearted by the fact that that injury time goal had been disallowed. I think that was, I think that was huge and that was hugely indicative of the the spirit that's obviously existing among the players at the minute. So I, all in all, a good point, and I think it probably, on reflection, a deserved point. Yeah, I think the team spirit thing is something we do need to talk about because, Norman, I think you and I were guilty of saying that um, that was uh, something that's always been there in this squad. You know, Benitez built a squad with brilliant spirit and Bruce was lucky enough to inherit that. And we thought that had been whittled down, you know, Four or five weeks ago, we were talking about that spirit's gone now. That it looked like the players are down tools. But I'm willing to put my hands up on that one and say, you know what? Actually, I was wrong. There's still some spirit there in the team. There's still a, a never-say-die attitude. And they're still trying to get something out of the game. And after 90 minutes, when really the job of, of staying up has been done already, like we don't need any more points, probably we'll probably get by. I mean, that's not to say that the team should be proud of finishing on less than 40 points if that's what's happening. So I guess there's still some, some ambition amongst those players to... To be to be better than that, which is good, and it's good to see. And the obviously the manager is part of that. And the, we didn't set up not to get something out of that game. And yeah, you're right, Norman. The first half, if if both teams had taken all of their chances, it would have been like six three to them. But but I think I was just saying that we did create some. I'm so used to us not 
laying a glove on them in the first half that us having two or three decent clear-cut chances in the first half was worthy of, of discussion itself. So, yeah, um, all in all, uh, probably a deserved point um, against a team that do drop points to, to, to poor teams. But, yes, uh, the, the team spirit thing was probably the, the bigger thing for me in that um, I'm, I'm happy to say that I thought it was gone and, and I was wrong. So, fair enough, Brucey and the lads, you know. The, the, the thing is, the thing is, I just wanted to say, like, yes, I think the team spirit is back, but that's not to say that it hadn't gone. <laughs> like, I don't think we were necessarily wrong when there was fights at the training ground that things were leaking, and yeah. we looked in absolute disarray. I don't think it's, I don't think it's wrong. Just, and again, just because we've we've had a decent run of four games, for example, that doesn't suddenly right all the wrongs from the whole season. Just because people oh, no, are hugging, yeah. just because people are hugging Steve Bruce in that moment in that photo, which was lovely, by the way, great to see. But that doesn't mean that there's 100% squad harmony. Like, these are just snapshots. These are, as we know, with, with runs under Steve Bruce, the most important thing about runs under Steve Bruce is that what happens is that we think we find a winning formula, things seem to go well, but none of them have been sustainable. And, and, that's, and that's been the key problem because, you know, it's great to send suddenly like a win of four runs. You, you're suddenly going to have, um, you know, Bruce fans... Who, who, who see Bruce as, as, as a long-term um, option for this football club. I don't know how many there are, but there will be out there. But he, again, four games proves nothing for it's me. Four wins in 22. It's still four wins in the last 22 yeah. games. And, and, why did it, and why did it take a run of two wins in 26 or something for us to be able to put together a couple of decent... Like, let's not get too congratulatory about ourselves in, in this moment, in the bigger picture. I think in the moment of that match and that point, fantastic brilliant worked hard this run that we've gone on have shown team spirit as we've said but let's not pretend that this is this is a long-term solution that there is a plan that that, that bruce is going to lead us and progress us every single season because that's not how he's operated since he arrived in 2019 yeah i think um i think that the bigger question which we're going to move on to now is is did was there signs that he got it right that we were well prepared for this game or is it just a case of We've got we're better players back in the team now. There's been a bit of a lift. You know, Max Mann has, has basically won his two games and it's it's taken all the pressure off. Those two results uh, in the last few weeks have taken a huge amount of pressure off the team uh, to the point where I felt like the, the we looked a bit more relaxed in ourselves in the way that we played yesterday. But uh, the, there's still questions around, were we set up right to win that match or are we now winning games purely on, on adrenaline and getting late goals um, that, that win matches in spite of the way we're set up. So, Norman, I'll come to you. Um, you know, a point away at Liverpool on paper sounds good, but where was was that just down to the kind of the late flurry that we had or, or were we set up correctly to to get something out of that game? I think Newcastle's results under Steve Bruce come from the players, the wins, right? It comes from the, the natural ability of the players, the instinctive reaction of the players. Um, you think of how we defend under Bruce compared to how we defended under Rafa. The defending under Bruce... Because there doesn't seem to be much in the way of technical, tactical input on the training ground, everything just seems to be a bit, as I say, instinctive. And, you know, we kind of defend. We really defend on 18 to 20 yard line, right? We do a lot of our defend. We do a lot of our defending in the box. You look at it again yesterday, you know, Fernandez making a couple of blocks. Um, there's a lot of play. There's a lot of play within, within our box from the opposition. It's not like, as I say, under the previous manager where you'd have them attempting to attack and it just more or less being stopped 30 to 35 yards from the goal, right? Um, under Bruce, it does tend to be the ball's there all the time and players are just 
instinctively throwing themselves in the way of it. Um, to a certain extent, I think we attack like that as well. It's not necessarily like we play a kind of rapid free-flowing football that, that has been worked on on the training ground. It is literally those players like Maximan, like Almiron, um, like Wilson are good players, right? They're very good footballers. So when they get the ball, they'll try and make things happen. And I don't think it's a case of, oh, you know, you, you never look at Newcastle and a move that they make. And I'm talking even something like something like a free kick here, for example, or a corner or just, just a move on the pitch. You never look at anything. Oh, they've worked on that in the training ground. Looks like they've really put that. Looks like that's that's what that's where it's come from. It, it never looks like that. So for me, a lot of Newcastle's results are just based on the, the instinct of the players. And in terms of Bruce getting it right yesterday, well, look, we, were, we weren't particularly good in the first half. We weren't actually good for most of the game. Now, look, Liverpool weren't necessarily good themselves. It was a, a, a very sort of low-energy game in many respects. Um, but it was saved for us by the brilliance of a few individuals, I thought. I thought Dubravka was absolutely outstanding. Um, so there's no tactical element there, right? You know, you, you, don't, you don't kind of work on tactics by saying, right, one of the tactics is the goalkeeper is going to be brilliant. Um, you know, in the... <laughs> The, the you know the the goal, the goal itself comes comes from like a, a launched ball into the box and just overloading the box because we're, we're chasing the game right that that's what that was it wasn't a again a tactical um kind of master class and and look admittedly Bruce got his substitutions right but at the same time you could flip that and say well actually did he get the team selection right because ultimately should Callum Wilson have been on the bench yesterday and that's a one that I can put straight at Adam because I know he's desperate to talk about it <laughs> well this is it I think I think if Callum Wilson is fit enough to run around on a football pitch, which he clearly was. Start him, get him start. Because I think I think that first half goes completely different if Callum Wilson's on that pitch. The problem with this is, and the problem with Bruce to kind of follow on the point I was talking about before, was that once we get a good result with a team and a setup, Bruce is desperate not to change that and desperate to just keep everything exactly exactly the same and hope that he'll get exactly exactly the a good you know the good result, a good performance. And that's quite dangerous in a way because it means that. He's never striving to improve upon or, or tweak in, in positive. Because you look at that, what a great point yesterday. But could you tell? Could anyone tell me seriously that every aspect of that formation and setup was as, was the optimum, was as good as it could ever be? It's not. We didn't start the site. We didn't start that game with any with any natural strikers. So what happens when two natural strikers then ended up on the pitch later on? One of them had a goal disallowed, and the other assisted the eventual equaliser for Willick. So when you have, we created lots of chances in the first half, but when you don't have any natural strikers, make being in the in those natural positions, finding that natural space around the box, in the box, which you just won't get with Joel Linton and Alan Samaxman because they're not strikers. When you don't have that instinct on the pitch, then the, the, ch the, the chances of converting those chances created dips dramatically because you don't have anyone who's just like even Dwight Gale has that anticipation whether whether or not you think he's good enough for Newcastle United I'm I'm kind of pretty um dismissive about that those chances I, I think he's finished here for, for example but I, but but at the same time he he at least has that striking instinct <laughs> that we probably could have done within the first half and I think we probably go into that first half ahead if we had a proper strike on the pitch now I know Callum Wilson is coming back from injury etc but you know you look at him and you look at Willock, and, and I like what Norman said. You can flip that. Should Willock? It, it's great that Willock has has now kind of come off the bench and scored. I think it's the first time since uh, Adam Lafondre in 2013 that a substitute has scored for three games in a row as coming on as a substitute, which is like a mad little stat. But I think you know, I loved Joe. What Joe, I'm sure we'll talk about Willock in a bit, but. 
I loved his attitude when he was said, oh, super sub then uh, in the post-match. And he was just like, no, that's not my label. I'm not a super sub. Like he, he's he's annoyed to not be playing. And you, you think, oh, well, is, is Bruce leaving him on the bench justified because he keeps coming on and scoring? Well, you think, well, what damage could he do if he's playing the full 90? Like he's that good yeah. and he should be starting. So you, you've got to look, and you've got to look at like Alan Sam Maximan as well. Like he is a winger playing in a, in a, in a formation that doesn't play wingers. So, there are always things to improve. There are always things to tweak. And I don't think Bruce is interested in that per se, as long as it's a kind of, oh, job done. We'll just try the same again next week and hope that it goes for the best. I don't, like Norman said, I don't think there's any specific direction that helped us to win that game. I think it was down to individuals taking, um, you know, taking responsibility for themselves. And and yeah, you could say it's easy to bash Bruce. You're not even giving them the credit when we, when we do get draws. Like, but yeah, <laughs> there's more evidence to suggest that Bruce is poor and that these are anomalous results, you know? So I don't think we're being too 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 harsh on Bruce. I just think we're being realistic. I, I, I agree. I, I agree. I'll jump in quickly there. I think um, I can't fault Bruce's contribution in terms of the substitutions that he made, right? Because it came off in the end, right? We've got a point. But again, I think I look at the, the whole of that game and, and bizarrely, it's almost frustrating because I think Liverpool were they for the taking? And that, to me, suggests that if we had, and you've mentioned it, uh, Adam, and I got a message, I sent a message to a Liverpool um, mate um, half-time, and I said, if we get Wilson on, we'll score. And, and he said Wilson should have been on from the start because our back line is in pieces. And I think there's not only the fact that you're denying a player like Wilson a starting place, what happens and then is that you, you've got Joe Linton in the side, right? And Joe Linton had one of those games yesterday. He's had a couple of seven out of ten performances recently, right? That's the that's the reality. He scored a couple of goals. Can't deny that he's contributed more positively than he has done for most of his, you know, Newcastle created to, to date. But yesterday was one of those games where he was completely anonymous. He wasn't pressurising the back line at all. Given how nervous their back line was and how unorganised it was, all the centre-forward needs to do, I'm saying the centre-forward, he's playing a kind of a left-wing role, wasn't he? Just pressure, pop, just constantly chase balls, just constantly chase them down because there's a mistake in them. That didn't happen at all. His movement was poor and his pace was poor. And what happens is, it's not even the fact that he had a poor game. It's almost like you've got one less man on the pitch. But then you look at that from a, a, another angle. Not only have you got one less man on the pitch, you've also got Almiron playing out of position because of this formation, because of Shewan and Linton. So to a certain extent, you're losing the fact that you're losing Wilson as a starter, right? You are losing a player on the pitch because Joe Linton's anonymous. And you're also completely negating Miguel Moran's game. And it just makes me think that actually, if we'd got the lineup and formation better yesterday, that game was there for the taking. And I suppose, as mad as it sounds, that's probably the most frustrating thing about yesterday. And it's why I won't necessarily give Bruce a load of credit for the draw when I actually think that was probably down to determination and individualism on the pitch on the US players. Yeah, I think what I'll be honest, last week after the West Ham game, I said that we'd set up reasonably well for that game, you know. We're, we're critics of five at the back. You know, it's not going to win you any football matches, but when you're against a, a side in form that's in the top five, it's probably what you want to do. You want to keep it tight and, and try and use your uh, your threat players as a as a means to counterattack. Now that didn't work yesterday. You know, Liverpool is away the, this season is a similar prospect to West Ham. You know, um, so setting up like that in theory makes a bit of sense, but. Um, I think what was really lacking, and this kind of goes against what we've just said before about the team spirit, but I thought the the effort levels in the first half were really strangely lower than they should be. It felt like the players had kind of 
knew that we were safe now and there wasn't as much uh, urgency. And I think if you want to play counter-attacking football or play sit-in-your-own-box football, which is what we're doing, you cannot... Their goal comes about from nobody closing down uh, any of their midfielders. You know, it's Mane in the end who just takes one touch, runs five yards and, and puts a ball in un- unchallenged. And to be honest, for the majority of that first half, there was a gap between, you know, our defensive line was sat on the penalty spot, you know, in our own box. And then there was a v- hardly any midfield. You know, this is where, why Joe Willock's only getting 30 minutes is, is so frustrating when you watch, watch. I think Longstaff played all right. Again, though, I think he's he, he's not capable, like Isaac Hayden is, of doing all the running of him and John Joe Shelby. I feel like Willock might be able to do that. Um, and what there, there's just this huge gap where Salah and Mane in particular were picking up the ball outside our box, unchallenged, turning round and then running towards goal with the ball. That's that's mental. Like if you've got a back five that are meant to be keeping it tight and stopping them from having chances, their best players receiving the ball with time to turn is unforgivable. And I think you're right, Norman. They could have scored more goals, and in, in the end, they didn't. Partly down to their own kind of um, wastefulness. But the the setup, something wasn't quite right about it. And you know, if you want to play that formation, there's got to be a certain mindset of right. We're gonna we're gonna chase them down. We're gonna make sure we get the ball off them in our half, and then we're quick to counter-attack, but there was times, and this is where Joe Linton's selection is, is baffling, because he's, he's he's good, he's he's good with his feet, and he can keep the ball and hold it up reasonably well, but what he can't do is give you a quick turn and and get the ball in their half and catch them on the break. If the ball gets to Joe Linton as part of that build-up play, he's taken three, four touches, and by the time he's done that, where they've got 10 men behind the ball again, it's it's the, the attack is over, it's over. So there was a few things that, that we didn't get quite right, and that said... Um, with five at the back, is still going to limit Liverpool's chances. So you could argue that he's done the right thing that's resulted in getting the game, but getting a, a point. But I just, um, something didn't feel quite right in the first half. And it, I don't know if it was the personnel or the the mentality that had changed, but something about the way we approached that first half, it made it feel like an exhibition. The game felt like a, an end of season game. And that was, Liverpool were guilty of it as well at times. It was it was being played at a much slower pace, but they always looked comfortable, whereas we just kind of looked like we weren't that bothered about what was going on. And again, we've reacted in the last 20 minutes, but why why are we doing that every week? Why are we waiting until the last 20, 30 minutes to, to try and impact the game and try and take take something out of it? I, I don't know, lads. It's 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 difficult because this 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 five at the back, like I don't know if without Lascelles we are far more chaotic and disorganised without him and whether you can only... Does a, does a back five only work properly with the Lascelles there? Because on another day, we, we, we concede three or four or five there. Like, we, we, like I mean, the, the, Liverpool's XG was about three, which is really, really high. Um, but, you know, Clark has... You know, his form has dipped a little bit over the last... Few, he's been a pretty, you know... You know, he's a pretty sort of like average um, performer. He's probably like a six or seven out of ten player who was pretty consistent. But he's recently, he, you know, I think on this little run, he's, he, he has been guilty of a few lapses of concentration, for example. You yeah. know, the fact that we, you know, Mane for this for their goal had three pe- had three people around him and he still got a cross in. The, then the header wasn't dealt with. And then you've basically got Salah, one of the deadliest finishers in the league, one to one with Matt Ritchie, who is a, a you know a winger by trade. So like, it, so, so th- there are there, there are problems there because 
and, and yeah, I, I think there was like we just I think we were just complacent yesterday a lot of the time. Certainly in that first half, you know, Longstaff let a couple of balls through. I I, I don't, don't want to pile on with a Longstaff as I, I think Norman sort of talked about that on 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 the cute way yesterday. Check it out on YouTube. Um, I don't want to pile on him, but like. There was two kind of like uncharacteristic errors from him where he just kind of loose passes hospital balls that put us in trouble that could have cost the, you know could have cost the result. Um, so there, there there is something not quite right about the defence, and we, we we do need to address that, and we need to address things like you know the long term future of people like uh, Jamal Lewis and what's Mankio doing, and when other defenders come back, how do we all fit those in? And you know that's maybe some nice problems to have, but. Yesterday could have gone horribly, horribly wrong, and we need to just at least celebrate the draw. Yes, but there's still a lot of work to do to ensure that those mistakes don't happen in the future that could lead to goals, that could lead to losing games and, and poor results. I think the Joe Linden um, situation that, that Norman and I have, have kind of mentioned the last few weeks, where you get a week where you'll get a goal or a 7 out of 10 from him, and everyone's calling it brilliant and everyone's buzzing. Um, I think you get that. That's a microcosm of Newcastle United in general. You know, we we get a result and uh, a, a half-decent performance like this. And actually, because it's been so bad for so long, we're all thinking this has been fantastic. And it's you have to check yourself and there are still... Everything's not quite right. And yeah, we don't want to be too negative and I don't want to go on about it too much, but it's the, the it's certainly not the finished article. And I don't think we've turned a corner necessarily. I think we've hit the end of the season when, you know... Results do fluctuate more. We've managed to get some players back fit and there's a lot of things going on. But I'm, as you said before, I'm still not seeing a, an obvious direction of improvement in any of the, either defensively attacking, it's, it's just individuals pulling us out the, out the shit on, on numerous occasions. Um, and yeah, I don't know, there's there's just something not right and we all, we all know what it is and we've talked about it for, for 22 months now. But um it's hard to it's hard to look forward to the next game when you can't think of what what happened in that match that we played yesterday that you can carry into the next game. I'm, I'm still not seeing positives that are obviously transferable into future games because it's the, the think, stuff we do well comes out of nowhere. I think the problem is every time we've gone on one of these runs, we've capitulated horribly afterwards. It's never been a sustainable thing. So it's like, it's very, very difficult to enjoy this run in the moment. I mean, it, it, in one respect, it's made us safe. So we can, it, we can, we are safe, I, I, I believe personally. And I think, so th that's means to an end. But when we have these runs, it's hard to enjoy them because we know that they've gone so disastrously wrong very soon after and they're unsustainable under Bruce. And there's, there hasn't been one time where we've had a couple of good, good results under Bruce that it then hasn't completely turned to shit like soon after. So I think we're all probably apprehensive waiting for the shit to go down because like it seems that things are going too well at the minute and we know that that just isn't a pattern under Bruce. So that's probably why we're so conflicted. I don't know how you guys yeah. feel. Norman, were there any other individual performances yesterday you, you want to touch on? No, I just want to just quickly expand on what you two have just discussed. Um, I think it's an interesting point you make, Si. You know, we've gone away at Liverpool and we've got a draw, yet you don't feel there's anything to look forward to going into the next game. And I get that because I think it's 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 the it's the identity, right? It's the still after two years of Steve Bruce, there isn't any signs of an identity, right? It is it is a game by game basis. That's how Steve Bruce managers Newcastle United and that's how it's been with him it's every game has to be taken as a, as, as almost like a single entity it's like oh that was good but we, we don't know what it's going to you know what it's going to mean for the next game coming up we don't know if you know he settled on something it is it's because 
his whole managerial career at Newcastle has been reactive. Everything's been about reaction. So this game yesterday where we got a point with Liverpool, he'll start the next game more or less probably with a, with a similar type of the same tactics, right? Regardless of the fact that it's, it's Arsenal at home and they're very beatable and there's a way to beat them, it won't, it, that won't kind of play, I don't think, into, into the, the mentality. It'll just be, we've got a point with Liverpool by playing this way, so we'll play that way against Arsenal. And I think that's the issue is that it is difficult to, to look forward and go, oh, point away at Liverpool, beating West Ham, beating Burnley away, getting a last-minute goal against Spurs. Oh, we've, we've cracked it because we haven't. It is every single game taken as a separate a separate entity. So I do, I do get what you're saying. And, and I've said this for quite a while now. In fact, I think I said it after the Everton game first was under Bruce, and he's going to be here next season, as we know. You have to, it, it cliche as it sounds, it is, it is literally as a fan, you're taking each game as it comes. It's like just enjoy the game as the game and don't like kind of look at it um, for, for you know how we've got to this point or, or where we're going from this point. Just look at this particular game. And yesterday was a one old Joe way to Liverpool, and there were some good good aspects to it. And it comes into individuals again. Um, in terms of good performances, I thought, yes, Adam, you're right, the defense was chaotic, but in terms of the, the second half, especially, it got its act together a bit better. I thought Paul Dummett and Fernandez were excellent yesterday. They threw themselves in front of everything. I mean, Fernandez pulled off two blocks that were pure, pure instinct. Um, I think again, I'll praise him again. I thought Matt Ritchie defensively isn't going to give you anything, but in terms of what he can do with the ball, it, it's really good. He, cre- he just creates things, right? He creates. I think Jacob Murphy has been, to a certain extent, a revelation, and I'm glad that he's he's managed to get a bit of a career at Newcastle, even if he does go on a free transfer preseason. But one thing I will like, I would like to see is. Did you ever in your lifetime expect to see John Joe Shelby playing centre half at Anfield? Whatever. <laughs> it's just trolling of the highest order, isn't it? Like, I just want to just to quickly jump in about Richie. Again, I said on this podcast a few weeks ago that even though I don't think necessarily tactically, he probably has a future for Newcastle, kind of physically, his age, and, you know, he's. You know, he's kind of, I think he can only play wing back, is what we kind of said. He's not really a left back, he's not, he can't do it forward as well. But I said, for relegation scrap, you're going to need people like Matt Ritchie in the side, regardless of whether you think it works in terms, like, tactically. Sometimes it is worth the hit to get somebody like him in. And 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 look how he's performed. I'm not taking any credit for this, by the way. Look how he's performed and how important he's been, not only just to keeping the shape and what Murphy and Ritchie provide is pretty decent balance on either side. They're both wingers by trade. But they're both kind of, you know, bombing up and down. But they've both got the application and attitude that you need. They're both disciplined. They both run hard. And they both, and they both care that other people are putting in as much work that they are. But Richie's come up with assists. Like, he's he's done more than I ever expected them to. And, like, that 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 warrants huge praise, I think, from Matt Richie for somebody whose future is probably, you know, n- not necessarily uh, secure. I mean, contract or no contract. But it, it, he's, he's somebody that cares about this club and cared about us not going down and he's what a shift he's put in fantastic form i hope I he starts you, on there uh, bruce uh more often to be honest i think you put i think you, you bring you know and this ties into the actual um how this this team spirit has just appeared from almost nowhere given that the players were convinced bruce was going to be sacked after brighton right that was the deal i mean there's rumors that players thought he would be he'd be gone um but i think this turnaround in in effort and team spirit, you, you bring Richie into that, right? But you also bring in, as I've just mentioned, Dominic Fernandez. These are the experienced players, right? Who who aren't necessarily going to be the future of the club. If you're looking at a club that you know you want to see moving up the league, uh, heading forward as a, as an entity, they're not right. But in in the situation that Newcastle were in four games again, those players 
bring them back in the side. I mean, they've proved absolutely vital because they're experienced and they care. So I think kudos, kudos to the to the three and really three players that you thought, well, we're not going to really see them again, are we? But they have, they've come back in, they've done a job similar as that. I think um, I'll, I'll quickly do the, the Shelby playing at centre half, which again I think we're all still. Did that actually happen? Um, not only is John Joe Shelby never the sort of player you'd, you'd describe as having any attributes that would make him a centre half, but putting our least mobile player in defence um, against Liverpool with Salah, Mane, and, and others running around him, you know, the, the, some of the fastest attacking players in the Premier League, Shelby in defence, the whole thing was was astounding. But I think it's, this is another example. And, you know, he made the, the, the easy substitutions. You know, you can put Callum Wilson on. That's obvious. At some point in the game, that had to happen and was going to happen. Same with Joe Willock. He's he's given him 30 minutes this time. Thankfully, he probably should have given him longer. And I would have said the same last week. Um, they're the easy subs, but this is further evidence of Steve Bruce. As the game goes on, loses control of it. He, his management of the, the match that's happening in front of him just goes out the window. It, it goes back to the, um, the what started the whole Matt Ritchie fallout, that substitution where, was it Wolves? Where he um, he decided to shuffle the pack and move like six players around. It just reeks of Bruce can't think on the spot of a sensible decision, and he just right John Joe, you go centre half. Like he just it didn't make any sense to anybody, but it's it's how Bruce manages the game. He goes, oh, we'll just try that, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it's bad luck. Like he doesn't put any thought into it, as far as I'm seeing. Like it just he makes the easy subs, and then he, he runs out of ideas. Like, but I've got one change left to make here. What am I going to do? I'll have to. I'll have to put Shelby at centre half, like just, just, just staggering stuff. What I didn't understand in that moment, and even though we equalised later on, I still think <laughs> it's, it, I think I still think my point was valid in that moment. Why, why are you moving Shelby to centre back to ensure that there's a back five still again? When at that point we're losing the game. Yeah. In in my eyes, and yeah, I'm not a football manager, and yeah, I did, didn't just get a draw at Anfield. I appreciate all of that, but. Why would you go to such an extreme length to keep Shelby on the pitch when the obvious thing is to take him up or to, to to just add an extra body in midfield? Have a back four. And let's go for it because they're not infallible and they're low in confidence and they've just they've just been humiliated beyond belief on a global scale. So like, let's get at them. And we were losing at that point. So it was like, why are we continuing to be like so defensive to the point that Shelby has to play a centre back? Sorry, what? Like that's just absolute. It's just garbage. It's, it's absolute nonsense. Yeah. That will never. That, that, that shouldn't and ever, should never happen ever again. That's the, the only. Again, yeah. the, <laughs> the only thing I would say is that he's pretty much playing centre back already. Um, he was doing <laughs> classic, classic John Joe of picking the ball up a yard away from Fernandez, a yard away from Clark and Dummett. Like he might as well just join them in, in defence. So the only way to do that is to have when one of the defenders come off, just say right, okay, now you can stay there. And to be fair, it meant that Joe Willock was higher up the pitch, and it did it did work. But yes, I I, I don't think we'll see it again. And it was probably just one of the uh, one of the spectacles of this match. Um, another of which was the obviously the substitution of Joe Willock itself. I mean, we were all saying he probably should be starting games now. He's got bags of energy. He's definitely a box to box midfielder, which I don't think Longstaff or Shelby or Longstaff's got more agility and more. He's more mobile, but he's he's more of a kind of sit around, hover around the, the centre of the pitch and get the ball moving, whereas Willick, he's the one that's moving. And, uh, you know, it's it's come up trumps again. Uh, 
Adam, I think you wanted to talk a bit more about Joe Willock. Yeah, I, I want to wax lyrical about Joe Willock if, you, if you'll indulge me. Like, I, I think you're right about the, the Longstaff. I think Longstaff is more, like you said, a kind of deep line playmaker. He would be he would be the Shelby replacement in a way, Longstaff, I think. And Willock is kind of more of a Diarmi, um, a kind of, you know, a lot more energetic and, and slightly different and more agile, I'd, I'd suggest, and more technically gifted. But I think the ability to just get up and down and arrive late and link up play with with midfield attack be that conduit um i think that's i think he's crucial and I, I just think look bruce has kind of said he's trying to sign him before bruce has said that he's you know as far as reports are concerned it's willick is his top target then put then play him you can't play against arsenal next which is you'd think uh, it's almost like the point where, well, he scored three as substitute. He's got to get us. Well, obviously, he's, it's the one game that he's ineligible to play against, isn't he? But he has to start. Like, what is the one thing that we that we can offer Joe Willick that Arsenal can't? And that's first team football. But he's not even getting that, even though he's excelling and performing because Steve Bruce has a John Joe Shelby fetish that he, he, he Shelby is undroppable in his eyes, and that's costing Joe Willick. Game time and the, and and the, also the fact that he that he refuses to change this formation, even yeah. though we can we can tweak it and improve it. We we don't have to we don't have to scrap the whole thing, start from scratch. Let's just tweak what we've got. Move him out there. Add an extra you know, add an extra body in there. But it's like we need after the Arsenal game. What we need to do, if we have any designs on seriously signing this player, we need to show him how much value he has. We need to give him starts because by that point, you know we're safe. Relegation-wise, we'll say we've got nothing to lose. Play him, give him ninety minutes, give him just start him in every game in an attempt to try and because what's happening now is that everyone else is starting to pick up a Joe Willock's form, just how good and effective he can be, even off the bench. So what could he possibly achieve for my team in ninety minutes? He's going to have a queue of clubs for him in the summer. There's there's going to be competition. So at the minute we're in pole position because he's here at our club. But bloody hell, come on, like. You've got to lure him. We've still got to do the sales job on him, and I, and I don't just mean give him starts for the sake of giving him starts to keep him sweet. I, I don't. I, that's not what I'm saying at all. I, I wouldn't agree with that. But his form has merited starts, even before he got that equaliser yesterday. He should be starting after the Arsenal game. He should start every single game, and we should see what exactly what we can do because we've got to try before you can buy set set up here. Other clubs won't have that. We can see what he can do in a Newcastle United shirt. So let's bloody see it. I loved his attitude by saying he, he, he doesn't think being a super sub is good enough. He doesn't want that label. He wants to start. He was gutted, Bruce said, when Bruce said he wasn't a start. It's just like, just bloody play him. If he's your favourite, if he's your top target, you've got him now. Play him. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's it, it goes back to Bruce's kind of, he's like a granddad in the in the stand before a game. Isn't he? Oh, you don't change a winning team. Like He literally thinks like that. You kind of change a winning team. Uh, so we'll beat West Ham. You know, they scored two goals for us. And <laughs> People keep forgetting that they scored, got a red card, and basically hide another one in for us. Like we got pretty lucky there. But and from Bruce's perspective, one and you do, you do not change that team. You don't analyze the performance. You don't look at any anything you can tweak. You don't look at well, I've got Joe Willock, who's much better than half the team. How can I get him into this? He doesn't. He doesn't think that. I think those lads won the game and have earned the right to start this one. That's all he's thinking. So uh, we're, we're going to lose Willock. I mean, I think the. Um, the you know he runs to he runs to Bruce after he scores and there's that lovely little hug in the sun and everyone's happy. Um, I also think he speaks very well after the game. I mean he's the polar opposite of Bruce in terms of some obvious media training, but he also speaks well about Newcastle. He says he's enjoying his football here. 
he you know he, he says the right things and whether or not he's just a good professional and knows that that's what he should be saying or if there's some truth in that and he's genuinely interested in being here and, and wants to stay and, and in his keep then yeah i think you're right we should be throwing absolutely everything and trying to get him and i think dodgy said last week that you know the the the, the feeling is that we're skint and we're probably not going to buy anyone in the summer but if you can get 25 million together that's that's the one sign we absolutely need to make shelby's had his day we've got real problems in midfield you don't know how much of a season you're going to get out of hayden you don't really know how much of a season you're going to get out of Longstaff. we need another good center midfielder and and he is perfect for 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 whatever bruce wants to play but he's you know you could build a team around joe willick you could make use of him in so many different systems that we need him we we need to break away from only ever having one system that kind of works for Bruce and and players like Willock give you that. Um, so you're, so kind what, of you're done. what you're saying is he's going to sign for Crystal Palace in the summer, right? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But, but look at the, look at the long term future with with Willock, Hayden, and, and and Longstaff, either of the Longstaff in in a midfield three. Like that's just that's exciting. It's dynamic, and mm-hmm. the, you know that. I wouldn't. I would love nothing more than to see that because, and watch them grow together and and you know form a form the chemistry that we know that they can have. It, it's just it, it ah. <laughs> it's just we, we we need that. We need that progression. We need to evolve from 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 kind of the old yeah. guard. Basically, that's what we need. I love the idea of him in that Modi Army in a in a four two three one. I think you would sit in front of the centre midfield perfectly in that position. But if we ever see it, you, you just uh, you just can't be sure. Uh, we've talked about the match uh, for nearly forty minutes, lads, and there's probably one of the one of the incident to talk about. But I don't know if it's worth going on about it too much. It was the obvious the disallowed goal. Now, when it happened, and as soon as we saw the replay, everybody knew that because of how VAR has been used this season, and the, the, the technically the rules say we knew it was going to be disallowed, and we all know that that's rubbish. I don't think there's any pundits or commentators disagreeing with that. It's stupid, and it's a rule that needs looked at. Um, and they, they seem to get themselves confused after the game about whether or not it will be revised next season. If the attacking player who, who handballs it scores the goal, it'll still be disallowed. But if it goes to somebody else, it won't be. But it, it didn't. he didn't handle it into the goal. He, he It bounced off his arm, which was literally by his side. And he kicked it in. That that was never disallowed before VAR and probably shouldn't be going forward. But there's not really much more to say. Unless anyone has any strong feelings on it, I think we're, we know the crack with it. We're, no one listening is in any doubt about how ridiculous it is albeit that's what the rules have been this season and we've seen it quite a lot of times now. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, personally, I don't think there's much more to say on it. I think it's, although it, it is, a, it, the handball rule is not of our thing. The handball rule is just what the ruling bodies have determined. And I, I believe Peter Walton on P, BD Sport, I don't I don't back him as a, I don't rate him necessarily as a referee pundit, but he was basically saying that next year the, the, the rule is changing, but it's only if it comes off a striker's hand and then a, a teammate taps it in, that would be fine. But if the same player, I think they're trying to get away with the fact that scoring with a hand just shouldn't be a thing at all. But in this instance, for me, it comes down to intent. Like if it's if it's an intentional handball, I absolutely not. If his arm's down by him, down by his side and it's a deflection that's happened in a microsecond, that we shouldn't be punished for that. I think one thing I do want to pick up on is that horribly cynical foul from Fabinho and, and Beautiful, delicious irony that he was the one that actually put the ball into his own net off the Willock shot, like it deflected off Fabinho. Yeah. But when Fabinho cynically like just stood in the way of Alan Sam Maximan, like we saw this happen a couple of years ago, if you if you recall, um, James Ward Prowse did this to Miggy Almer on, on a counter attack at St James's Park. I, I remember being there, and it, it, I just I just think that's not a that's not a yellow. I don't care that he's the, not the last man. You know, 
I think any foul where the ball is irrelevant should be met with the harshest punishments because it, the only intent there is to stop that player at any cost and hurt him. There's, there's no way to, to, to just stand in front of that player like a shoulder barge and not hurt a player who's running full pelt. Like, that's not on. And, and, and even Sam Maximan, he had a bit of crack with Fabinho um, on, I mean, he tagged him in on Twitter and he was saying, you know, you know, you know, it's all fine kind of thing. But brackets, I think you should have been sent off. And I, and I, com and I completely agree with him. It's really, it's really, really dangerous. And I think players like Sam Maximan are going to get that kind of treatment all the time. And I think they need the protection because it's starting to become a bit of a trend. That should, be, players will do it knowing that they'll only get a yellow and it's worth the risk for them. But I just think there should be slightly harsher restrict restrictions for, for things like that because Sam Alan Sam Maximan is going to get battered and bruised all day long. And we, we need to protect him as much as possible. Agreed. Well said. Well said. Um, right. So we kind of said at the start, that's that's us safe now, isn't it? It's nigh on impossible for Newcastle to get relegated from here. And you'd probably expect us to pick up some more points, given that pretty much the whole squad's fit again. Maximan, Wilson, Almiron, we're going to we're going to get we're going to get some more points between now and the end of the season. Um, <clears throat> and this comes from four weeks ago. I think all of us on here and most people around Newcastle were of the opinion that we were done. We were getting relegated. We thought we thought it was over. We thought there was no chance. The form was so bad. There was no signs of any kind of light at the end of the tunnel. And yet, here we are, eight points from four games. Um, we're, we're up. We're staying up. And we've even gone on and kind of, we didn't need a result then, still got one. Um, what's changed, lads? I guess my, my question is, is do, I'm seeing a lot of credit where credit is due. I hate that phrase, but credit where credit is due. And do we start having to give Bruce some credit for this mini turnaround, uh, given that we've given him relentless shit for how bad it's been up to now. Um, or, is, or is it just a feeling of frustration? I know my, my answer to this, but I'll come to you first, Norman. What, what What's happened? Where are we now? Right, mate. Burnley are three up against Wolves at the word half-time. So Burnley four. are four up now. So they're going to overtake win the league, right? They're going to go, they're going to go above over this win, I, I think. Um, so we're fifth bottom. Um, there's every chance that if we don't pick up enough points between the end of the season, we'll finish fourth bottom, right? So regardless of this mini turnaround, if you look at the season, if we finish, which is going to happen probably, we're going to, we're going to at least, at best, I'd say we're going to be bottom six, right? Um, so, but there's every chance we finish fourth bottom. If we're on 38 points, 39 points, 40 points, it's still been a shocking season, right? So you have to look at the whole picture. And yes, the turnaround has been excellent. It's to do with, um, I think, little things such as Martin Dubravka coming back into, into you know, being in the team regularly and, and getting himself back into form, hugely important. The experienced players <laughs> like before. The big one is obviously ESM because ESM, as I said the other week, he is the system, right? He's, he's an absolutely phenomenal player. There's, there, there are many players in the Premier League out, outside of the so-called big clubs who have got a player in their team, like San Maximan, um, Zaha, you could argue, but his forms dip because he's unhappy, right? Whereas Sam Maximan isn't. Um, so they, they're all factors that have been hugely important. And it's great, you know, like the, the reality is Bruce was a broken man four weeks again, but he's, you know, he's stuck to it and stuck to it. And ultimately this has come around, eight points from 12 games. Great, yes, well done. But, you know, it's a case of looking at the bigger picture. And I think Adam mentioned it before, the thought of a, a midfield of Hayden, Longstaff and Willock. And I would add to that, you look up front and you think a front three of 
um, Almiron, Maximan and Wilson. And then you look at the team, you know, we've got we've got a, a literal Rolls-Royce of a defender on loan in Spain at the minute, and Floriana Gina, who's a wonderful centre-half, right, who should be in that team. We've got Martin Dubravka in goal. There's the bones of a very decent Premier League side there, right? So for that side to finish this season fourth bottom or fifth bottom on 40 points or less than 40 points, it's a failure. So I think there is a lot more there in that squad than Bruce and his coaching staff can can get. And I think that's the biggest frustration. So yes, great the turnaround's happened, but ultimately we should be doing a lot better and we could be doing a lot better if we had the right people in charge. I, th- I thoroughly believe that. Yeah, I, I take issue with credit where credit's due, and I'm doing little quotation marks for anyone not listening on YouTube. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a phrase that I just can't get away with because, well, I don't I don't believe that just scraping back to where an acceptable level is after so long of not being at an acceptable level, you know. And as you say, Norman, finishing in the bottom five on less than forty points is still abject failure for this team. And I think the the return of some individuals has obviously. It's demonstrated that we were struggling without them, but it's also demonstrated that, on the whole, our squad is better than better than the bottom five and, and should be doing better. And it's just a, a reminder of of how bad it's been this season. And, you know, they weren't injured all the time. We've had plenty of time matches where all these players were available to Bruce and we've just put in a shocking performance that made no sense in, in every possible way. So, uh, yes, uh, credit where credit is due doesn't mean anything. You can be happy about the result and you can say that was good. Newcastle played well and we won, but I don't think we need to start giving the manager credit for having us fifth bottom on 36 points with four games to go. You know, that's, that's no good. That's still rubbish. And no one will look back on this season um, fondly. No one. Uh, And I worry about, um, about where this leaves us as a club, you know, our best players are going to be, you know, really difficult to keep a hold of uh, based off the off the air we've just had. And if the clubs need to get get some get the wage bill down, they'll 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 accept they'll accept offers. So I think the only thing we can talk about is is how do we change that? What what do we need to do for the next five games, the last five games of the season? And it's got to be the exact opposite of what we did at the end of last season, which was fall off a cliff and finish the season in the worst possible form, which carried on immediately into the next season, really, bar the weird West Ham result. We were rubbish and played rubbish as a continuation of how we finished last season. So what what's the aim now, Adam, I'll come to you. What, is, what do we need to do for these last five games to give supporters a bit of hope, to give everyone a bit of belief that, you know what, if we're stuck with Bruce, at least, what's the end of that sentence? At least, go on. Well, we at least, I think we need to be bold. I think we need to back ourselves. I think we need to not just sit back and soak up and absorb attacks and hope that we get something out of it. We need to kind of think, hang on, what what are we capable of? What are these? What is this crop of players actually capable of? Particularly going forward, like what can we create? We have some, as as Norman mentioned before, we have some fantastic players, some really creative players. We have players that can do things that no other player in the Premier League can do, like. Let's use them and let's actually use them in their correct form positions, for example, so that we can get the very best out of them. Is that is that too wild? Is that too outrageous to, to suggest that we play players? Because Bruce loves playing players out of position. Yesterday was Shelby at centre-back. I don't think anyone saw that one coming, but it doesn't surprise me because there always has to be one, doesn't it, that, that isn't playing out of position. Like even now, Sam Axelman, I think he's playing well in spite of having to be shoved up front. Like that, That's just not... 
he's a he's on he's a winger, so play him on the wing and let's get some balls in the box. And guess what? Guess what? When we got balls in the box, we we scored. <laughs> we equalized from getting a ball in the box, crosses in. Like it, it shouldn't be too hard. Like I think we just need to approach these games and 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 to to not think that we're just uh, without this defeatist attitude going in. We just need to be we need to be optimistic and we need to have belief. And I think Bruce is a part of that because if Bruce isn't the tactical genius that we want him to be, he's never going to be that. But what can Bruce be? Bruce can be a motivator. He hasn't always got it right. And it, we've seen massive cracks this season with regards to that. His nice guy image, all that kind of stuff. But he can put his arm around the shoulder, as we said before, and instill belief in some of these players and and, and give them give them a, a platform to be able to go and express themselves. Um but like, you know that that's 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 kind of how how I see it. But 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 we're limited because we're Bruce and we've got Ashley. So with those two, it, there's only so far. Yeah. There's only so much that we can do, and there's only so much that we can expect. Look, uh, my my view is, uh, yeah, and yeah, Norman, you said it right. He's staying. So there's no point in us pining for a change of manager. We might as well kind of start getting our heads round to the fact that he's going to be in charge at the start of next season. Um, what I would like to see is get rid of this formation now. It's done the job. It's 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 pulled out of of almost oblivion. Um, but it's not sustainable going forward. As you say, Adam, there's players out of position. Yes, it's a, it's a safe bet to scrape results. But if Bruce just plays five at the back um, for the last five games and scrapes a point here, maybe it's four points from the last five games. That's no good. That's nothing to get excited about, and it doesn't give us a platform for next season. It just does enough, um, which is been the mantra under Bruce since he came is just doing enough. That seems to be what Newcastle is. Now, from my perspective, I think we should be looking at, right, what is our formation to get the best out of our best players and just just play it. We might lose the games because they're not comfortable with it, but just do it. Just, just right. We want to play 4-2-3-1. You know, we want Maximan, Almiron, and I don't know, maybe Murphy is, is worthy of that place on the right. We'll probably, it's probably a position we need to look at in the summer, but there's your three. Wilson up front. Willock in midfield with <clears throat> long staff, but it'll be Shelby, you know. And then just just get four defenders comfortable playing as four defenders. That probably means you reintroduced Joe Lewis because um, um, we need to get something out of him. He's, he's got potential, and there's no there's no point in just just pying him off, which which is what Bruce has done so much, just banishing players from the team and then never finding a way to get them back involved until there's injuries where you have to literally throw them in out of the dark. So Matty Longstaff, anyone? Yeah, exactly. Um, so you know, Longstaff, um, Longstaff could 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 be part of that, but he should be getting games because what's the plan for him? We're, we're safe now. You need a he needs to decide, right? Is Matty Longstaff good enough? Let's get him in the team and and find find out because uh, otherwise there's no point in doing this next season and him just being hovering around the squad and not really getting a game. It's a waste of his time. It's a waste of Bruce's time having a having a squad number that you're not using. So yes, that would be my my desire for Steve Bruce to get something out of these next five games. Don't care how many points, really. I want to see us nail down a system that suits our best players and just try and play some football between now and the end of the season because yesterday's performance wasn't progress. It was just getting a result, a one-off result, as you've said, Norman. And you just enjoy that game for what it is, but you do not enjoy that as Newcastle in the, in the grand scheme of things. Um, so yeah, I want to see... Not front foot football, but something that, that shows progress week on week, which we've asked for for nearly two years now. And he said it, the gloves are off four four months ago. 
to now's the time, Bruce. Now's the time to you've got one last chance now to put some sort of mark on this team and give us something to at least not dread going into next season. I just want to I want to look forward to Newcastle matches. I don't want to dread them, and at the minute, I still dread them. I don't know we if you guys. We, we need a substantial identity. Yes, that's what we're lacking. Um, Norman, I just, Norman, from you. Sorry. Mute, mute. Ah, I think we talked about it quite in depth. So, um, no, I just think um, what I want to see is the next match, Arsenal, Newcastle, Gannon for it, because Arsenal are there for the taking. They're absolutely terrible at the back to concede ridiculous goals. If we have our best players on the pitch, playing in the right positions, and we decide to gun out there and really gun for it, we can win. You know, we can win. That's it. Be positive. There's no reason that we can't be against Arsenal. So that's what I want to see is the next game, us to gun for it. So how are the lads? I just want to. I just want to finish. Um, I just. I spotted a, a match report from the Guardian written by Andy Hunter, um, and it's just fantastic. A huge dig at Liverpool in a week where they've been, like I said, humiliated on a global scale with the European Super League stuff. And uh, this is fantastic. He's, it reads: It is not hard to imagine the outrage this outcome generated in Boston, home of Liverpool's owners, Fenway Sports Group, bloody Newcastle, a proud, historic, working-class club full of pesky legacy fans, potentially costing Liverpool a place at Europe's top table and all the millions that comes with, and doing so on sporting merit. <laughs> Just think that's absolutely fantastic, right? Perfect yeah. dig, and you know, big up the remit, Mads. Lovely way to finish it. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> little working class Newcastle with little uh, little Steve Bruce in charge still <laughs> managed to still managed to upset the the elite. So yes, what a wonderful way to finish, lads. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you again soon. Cheers. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.